know our MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I want to welcome everyone to a, the fourth season, the fourth year of the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Um, I love doing them. I have great guests. They're a lot of fun. And that's why I do this. I really, really enjoy doing it. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range. So you could say I know a little bit about business. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they can make an investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. And that's what my company does. We provide a line of credit um, program that is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. And I'll tell you from personal experience that I've used my line of credit that I've had uh, over the years, and I can't tell you how valuable it is. And now it's a lot easier to get one in place than it used to be uh, through our company. Uh, if this is something you're interested in, please feel free to visit us at fscreditline.com, FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com, or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Uh, if you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Just remember, the time to set up a line of credit is before you need it, not when you need it. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Shobhit Khandawal from Minone Experience. Shobhit is an entrepreneur, product and growth strategist. He builds data-powered products to help companies grow and deliver on strategy and execution. Currently, he is co-founder of Minone Experience, an innovative native retail concept Minone makes it easy for consumers to purchase products that they have tried and loved during hospitality experiences. Uh, he's raised $5 million in seed funding from Excel Ventures. He also owns a boutique retail analytics and data science consulting firm called Skylabs.io and invests in, the up, uh, the, in other upcoming ventures. So Pitt previously led Proctor, uh, I'm sorry, product and data science teams at Citigroup Jet.com, Walmart, and Evernote in New York and San Francisco after finishing his master's from Columbia University. He was an early employee at Jet.com and led the retail analytics team, later acquired by Walmart. Shobhit, welcome to the today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Well, thank you for having me over here, Stefan. Uh, just to correct one thing, my boutique consulting firm's name is shiftlabs.io, uh, not skylabs.io. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm very sorry about that. That's cool. Um, so, uh, so to, you know, today we're going to be talking about, and it's going to be kind of a, a topic that's going to move in and out of both marketing and, and data. Really, um, you know, we're going to be talking about privacy and impact of marketing for business. So we're going to be talking about marketing. We're going to talk about privacy. You know, so you know, at first off, you know, let's talk a little bit about what native retail is, uh, because I'm not, I haven't heard that term before. Uh, is that a common known term, or is that a term that you kind of uh, know more, better about? Uh, sure, I would love to tell you more about a native retail. So uh, native retail to us is kind of a new way of discovering the products that uh, you love in the wild, uh, uh -huh. in the environments where the products are being used for what they're designed to do. Uh, for example, in native retail, we, we don't put products on any display, display case or not on any, uh, you know, a PDP or a PLP page on an e-commerce website. It's more about you go to a hotel and you like this mattress is really, really comfortable. How do I, where it is from? And more often than not, you have no idea where you can buy that mattress from. Or you, you go to a friend's place and you really like their coffee maker or really love their speaker system, but uh, you have no idea how to buy it from. So we make all of those products shoppable for you. Uh, so you get to use the product in the settings they were supposed to be used before you make a purchase. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I do have personal experience once, uh, something like this, um, where, you know, my wife and I had gone to um, Vancouver, British Columbia, and we slept on a bed uh, there that we totally, totally loved. And we, you know, called up the hotel, asked them where they got the bed or what, what, what the brand was and everything. And they told us, and, you know, it's kind of a little bit about what you're talking about. Correct. Exactly. And, you know, like Airbnb host and everyone else, like these days people go and live in the places which are not traditional hotels. They also go and stay at experiential hotel, like uh, high end Airbnbs or, or boutique hotel like Saunders and all of them. So when you go on those surroundings, you, you, you are you're able to use the product in the way you would have used the product if the, you already had the product in your house. Uh, so we, we allow you to ex, you know explore more about the product, get more knowledge about the product and eventually buy it. Uh, at the same time, we work with these hospitality partners and boutique hotels to help them purchase all of their inventory via us. Uh, so that helps them as well by having one window or one shop to buy all of their needs instead of going through five different websites and paying higher prices uh, for these products. Yeah, I, I, you know, every, anytime you're in sales or marketing, you're, you always want it to be a win-win situation, right? Yes. That's one of the key ingredients, right? I can really see where this, this, uh, this idea behind um, native retail, uh, where, where I guess you're really getting involved with it a lot, is a win-win scenario because you could probably go to companies, if this is what you do, who didn't realize they had a new channel to sell their product. And because you're presenting it to them, they're like, yeah, we'll give you a cut. Is that fair? Exactly. Like the, the goal is to become everywhere store, right? Like there's a huge cost to open up a retail store. And by experience, you can see even the new D2C companies, which are starting like an e-commerce shop, they realize in more often than not in a lot of categories, they do have to open a store so people can experience the product. But over here, you don't have to spend money to open the store. You can just put the product in those hospitality surroundings and those Airbnbs and those hotels where people can come and use those products. And yes, uh, it's a win-win situation for brands because they get exposure to the customers, they get extra sales, but it's a win-win situation for the host as well because every time someone buy a product from their uh, surroundings, we whatever commission we make with the brand, we split it with the hot host that we're working with. Yeah. Well, so, so it's, it's like, actually a, it's a win-win-win situation, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you are you're able to make money from the assets that you otherwise would have, you know, just uh, accounting as a cost to run the business. So, I mean, you've mentioned Airbnb a number of times. Yeah. Um, is that the primary vehicle that you have seen so far that this relationship works well with? It's funny you said that. Essentially, so far, we worked with the, mostly with the boutique hotels. We haven't opened uh, our platform for Airbnbs just yet. Um, we are working with few Airbnbs, but we are working on new product releases later this quarter to allow the Airbnb hosts to create their own shoppable experience in a much more seamless manner. So at that point of time, we'll be reaching out to more, more and more Airbnb uh, owners yeah, and hosts. The boutique uh, hotels to me make sense. The Airbnb yeah. ones, uh, I guess you'd have to get Airbnb um, willing to put your uh, pitch. I don't, know, I don't like that word, but your pitch onto their website so that people say, hey, yeah, I, I can have this product here and that way I might get a commission on it, so to speak. Uh, you know, is that the approach you're looking at? So uh, we actually are, we are, we've been able to get all of our current stores and partnership via referrals and like outbound sales. So we work with a lot of like, uh, you know, there are a lot of like Airbnb group where a lot of hosts come together and they share, share experiences about best practices and whatnot. So we are becoming part of those groups. So that's the kind of strategy in the beginning. But yes, eventually in the future, we would also be exploring a partnership with Airbnb. Gotcha. <clears throat> so cool. Um, I get it. Uh, I like it. Uh, I mean, it's really, I guess you got to be worried about scaling, right? Whenever you take $5 million from, from, uh, and I'm not sure what's, what series round you're, you're in, but, um, probably farther along, 
you got to be able to show great scale in this. Um, and I, I, are you finding that companies that are out there are just not aware of the opportunities that selling their products through these other channels that they're not aware of it or um, they're aware of it, but they just don't have the time to do it. So here's the thing, right? It's, it's a combination of time and expertise. So my co-founder who's also the CEO of the company, Mark and I, we both worked at, at retail companies like Jet.com and Walmart. I was leading the data and product team. Mark was leading uh, a category managing a $300 million business for Walmart which is like a big business from outside of Walmart, within Walmart is still small scale business. The problems that we saw is like a lot of time retail companies, they're already trying to solve their omni-channel problem. Means they're trying to solve for how do they sell things in store versus how do they sell things online. But CAC, and we're gonna to touch about marketing in a little bit, like the cost to acquire a new customer is getting higher and higher for all these companies, especially in the digital channel. Thanks to new privacy rules coming from Apple and whatnot, you don't get the same efficiency you used to be able to get when you were running an ad on Facebook or Google or somewhere else. So in that case, uh, we come in where we provide them an extra channel instead of they going and spending money on digital channel without knowing the attribution or they going and spending money on a billboard outside of Times Square and not knowing if you know Showbiz saw that billboard or not, Stephen saw the billboard or not. We're providing them a new channel so they can expose their products to the customers in the way they should be you know, getting exposed to it. On the other side, these hospitality partners, and there are a few companies which tried doing something similar, but they tend to move more towards sampling. We're not trying to become a sampling platform. We are like a seller of record for everything that we sell and partner with all of our uh, host partners. And these companies, they, they lack the retail experience. We know what it takes to build a really good retail company. And what we are doing is we combining that experience with hospitality setting to provide this uh, a new way for the customers to shop and also for all these boutique hotel owners or you know uh, airbnb owners and eventually like you know our goal is to become everywhere store so like you being able to buy things from your gym when you go and try out an equipment there or you being able to buy that bottle of champagne that you had in a restaurant and all of it's coming and delivered to your place these people they're good at hospitality but they don't want to get an hassle of managing a retail business we providing them that expertise with that and them being able to make money of it instead of worrying about operations. On the other side, the retail companies, they are getting exposed to a new channel without having to worry about like, how am I gonna get into all these Airbnbs or all these boutique hotels? As you mentioned in the beginning, it's about scale. The more properties we have available, the more spaces we make shoppable, the more scale we get both from the brand side also from the uh, you know the eventual like the host side, let's say win win win. It's like a three prong marketplace that we're trying to go after. Yeah, you know a big part of this podcast is to help business owners uh, build their companies, right? So you know we you know so you know here's an example where I kind of want to dive into it because I for for three years I looked at uh, I, I was an investor um, looking at deals, you know like you know people are much more familiar with this now because of shark tank. Right. Um, yep. but be, you know, angel funding, venture capital, you know, those type of things. And I, I was one of those guys, you know, where I kept looking at companies and seeing uh, if I wanted to invest in them. So, um, in order to do that, the, what most people don't get is that is you're, if you're getting angel funding, uh, or venture capital, yep. uh, angel funding comes first, venture capital usually comes next. Friends and family comes first, um, but you know, you, people are willing to give you money if they can get. Golden rule is ten times the amount of money they put into it, or it when a VC comes in, it's because they can either go public with your business, yes. they, you can sell the business to somebody else, or they can combine the business with some other people. And so, you know, I am a little bit surprised that this is a, this is you, you, the company that you're working with that funded you as a VC, correct? Yep. So how long have you been doing this now? So we, we started working on this earlier last year, so beginning of 2020, we raised a pre-seed round at that time. 
and we just closed our seed round in November of 2021. Okay. So it's been like uh, two years since we've been working on this. Two years. And yeah. have you pivoted from the original idea or no? Actually, no. I think it's mostly about the focus. So in the beginning, we were trying to focus a lot on the B2C conversion. Uh, but then like what we realized in order for us to improve the B2C conversion, it's all about scale. So scale comes from getting into more and more spaces. So our focus has shifted a little bit, but our business model has not pivoted. So it's all about like, we need to do the three things. What are the things that we attack first so that we can do that second and third thing in a much more effective manner? So typically you pivot because it's not working. Yep. So if the fact that you haven't pivoted yet either means, you know, a couple of things. One of them is um, it means that you're still giving this time or it means that it's it's working. It's cash positive, you know, yep. so to speak. Right. Um, uh, so is the whole idea working really well? It is working well right now. I think the one thing that we, we have to work a lot more on is like, how do we make sure that when people like you and me go and stay in those hospitality settings, they get to know about the products that they can buy. So that's the one piece of the puzzle that we're trying to focus more on and solve. At the same time, we're focusing a lot more on uh, fulfilling the needs of our hosts. So like our partners, like these owners of boutique hotels or Airbnbs, because they have to buy a lot of their inventory for both FFNE and OSNE. So how do we make it easy for them to shop all of that via us while also enabling them to create the shoppable experience without having to put in a lot of effort? Uh, so those are the two things. So it's more about like calibrating. So we we have the, in, you know, I try to use the, the example of like a, a car racing. So we have built a nice engine so far. What we are doing right now is calibrating that engine and tune it for performance and putting a nice hood on top of it. Uh, so that's what our focus is going to be in next one to two years. This five million round that we raised, it was a seed round. So our goal is to become 10 X or more than that by the time we have to go out and raise Series A. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like to me, like the model is wherever, where do you have a captive audience? Right. So I'm trying to think outside of um, the boutique hotels. Right. So can you, can you, I don't know if you can share it with us because I don't know if you want to give it to your competition. Yeah. Um, outside of boutique hotels, where else would there be a captive audience where you'd say, oh, we can sell more products to them? I mean, you think about co-working spaces, right? Like thanks to the uh, new, uh, new way of like uh, all of us working remote, but still want to go back to in the office to being able to work with our teammates for some time, like co-working space are growing more in demand and there you're using that office and share and different things that you you're using it every day. Right. Yeah. Think about a dental office. You go and sit there for like three hours waiting in that waiting room and you yeah. like the couch and you had yeah. no idea. How do you buy it? As yeah. I said, like goal is to build the everywhere store. So everywhere you are able to experience those products, you go to a gym, you know, you want to go and buy a tunnel or Peloton. Like the reason why these people have the shops because so that you can go and ex you know use those equipments. But now being able to use that equipment in a gym already and then being able to buy it from there instead of going to a showroom uh, or in a mall if you're living in suburb and then trying out these products in a way that you would never try it out if you're actually using the product at home, right? Or going to a restaurant and you really like, as I mentioned, you really like a champagne. And these days, restaurants are also changing. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're having these uh, dining companies which are providing an option for different companies to have an offsite in a, in a hotel or in a private room and whatnot. So working with those, uh, you know, companies and partnering with them to allow them to offer their guests things that they have liked to take it with them to their home. So it's yep. more about like you experience certain things. Now, can you take that experience with you to your home and experience it forever? Right. So what? What has been, and I know you just alluded to it a little yeah. bit earlier, what has been the number one biggest problem, challenge that, you know, you, you, you faced in your business so far? I think uh, in terms of challenge, there are two main challenges that we face and we're trying to work towards it. One, as I said, like, how do we make it easier and easier for all these hospitality partner or partners to, you know, create the shoppable experience without having to put in a lot of effort? Right now, there's a lot of back and forth involved. As you can mention, we are a very young company, so we were doing a lot of things manually. So how do we automate that? Yeah. The second thing is more about 
how do we fix the problem so that we can we can educate the guest or the customers who are actually coming and staying in these uh, properties or coming and actually experiencing these products wherever we are putting in these products. And when I say we're putting it in, we're not, again, as I said, we're not putting in these products and not getting a sampling environment. These products already exist there. We're just surfacing it to the people who are supposed to be using it so they can know more about the product. So how do we solve these two things? It's going to be the key to the success of a company as well in the future. Yeah, so we, you know, uh, our listeners, you know, when I had got some heat on the, um, <clears throat> on the, before we started the podcast, yep. you know, he, he kind of gave me three topics, which I always ask my guests, what would they like to talk about? And we've done like a, a 180 degree turn here to learn a little bit more about your business, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because um, it's very interesting, certainly. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, a lot of what we were going to talk about today had to do with privacy, had to do with data. Yep. Um, you know, when you had presented these topics, I mean, you, you had, a, you know, one of the main topics that I hadn't picked, which was a new way to shop native retail, which is what we're talking about today. Yep. Right. Yep. And then the other two were privacy and impact on marketing and data challenges and retail organizations. Mm -hmm. um, in your organization, your company now, is data and privacy um, a big concern? See, I would say both data and privacy is a big concern, not just for in, in our company, but for any company, irrespective, right. of, irrespective of the age of the company or the size yep. of the company. Yeah. Uh, and all the three topics I gave you kind of are connected to each other, right? That's the reason why we, when Mark, you know, told me this idea and I decided to jump on ship with him was, you know, this exciting new world, because think about it, like up until 2018, anyone who wanted to create a new, you know, uh, e-commerce store, I, I want to start selling maybe a new bottle of water or like something else. It was much more easier for you to start, you know, a, like a Shopify store, put some money towards Facebook you were able to do a more deterministic attribution. So you knew if Stephen saw your ad on Facebook versus Google versus, you know, uh, you know, Instagram or somewhere else. And then you can allocate more of a marketing dollars towards that channel and get more people like Stephen. And then you can like, you know, figure out like how much does it cost for you to get Steve, uh, Stephen to your website and how much you set up, sell the product for. The challenge that's happening right now with the new changes in terms of privacy, whether it's iOS 14 or you know, the new cookie-less world that we're living in, is that you cannot do this deterministic attribution. So you cannot save with like high degree of confidence or like with a very surety that I know if Stephen came to my website from Google or Facebook when he actually made the purchase, right? Because there are a lot of other attributes. You might see an ad on Facebook and the next day you go and search in Google and the third day you get an email about it and you bought it from the email. Yes, when you bought it from the email, I'm being able to capture the data. When I say I am, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about most of the retail companies that you can capture the data about Stephen coming from the email. Maybe, maybe not, depending upon if you're using an Apple device or not, right? And what kind of privacy setting you have on the phone. But you can never capture the full picture. And that's becomes a challenge, right? How do you figure out where should I spend more money on? Versus the other way people were spending money in terms of marketing is they were putting all these billboards in the outside. Like you would walk driving down on a highway and there's a billboard on the side and uh, all these out of home advertisement companies would give you an estimate about people footfall and whatnot. And that's also like more of a brand awareness. You can never know how effective it was. So you had to combine that with the lift that you saw in that particular area and you were allocating certain dollars to each sales that you get maybe from New Jersey, right? When you're coming from Holland Tunnel from New York to uh, New Jersey, you have a board there. You just realize I put a board last week. From last two weeks, I'm seeing a lot of traffic coming in from that area. That means my sale would have been good. And my campaign is effective. Now, in the cookie-less world, you don't know where the sales are coming from. You don't know where am I logging in from. So how do you solve for it, right? It's, it's becoming more and more challenging. So people are relying more on the first-party data. So they're relying more on their own channel like email or, you know, uh, your, your text messages or anything that I can do with my own customer by giving them more loyalty and, and everything else. Whereas where we coming in as a company, as a minnow, and when we're offering this new channel to these brands is you can very, with a high degree of confidence, can confirm whether the sale comes from a one particular location or other location because we're capturing the data. Email is what we use 
you can and you're living in a hospitality setting and with the permission of guests if we capture the email data we can actually eventually build out a more deterministic attribution for all your marketing dollar that you would give to us and you're not even spending money on marketing right you're just giving us a product at a discount which we're giving to the hospitality partner again at a discount so you need to start thinking about it as not as a discount more as a marketing dollar that you have to spend to get exposure to more and more users right so that's why as i said like they all are very connected like cacs the average cac has gone up by at least 15 times like average cost acquired a new customer on facebook or google have gone up by 15 times in last year and a half itself right yeah. so how do you how do you build a more sustainable business uh, just by relying on the google and facebook ad if you're starting a new brand today in the retail space. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't know if you heard this before. And hey, listen, I'm just a yeah. small business owner, right? Um, native retail, I wish you, it's, it's, it's challenging when you have to explain a concept. And I, you know, native retail to me isn't the most obvious, you know, um, I, 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 I am, you know, trying to, I, I don't mean it's just an observation. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. You know, the name re- uh, native retail, I, you know, it's almost like remarketing retail, you know, something like that, you know, something. Uh, anyway, uh, have you ever had anybody comment that that the idea that that this term that you're using native retail is a challenge to understand? I mean, when, you expl- when, you, when you explain it, I don't have any problem with it. But, 100%. And like, uh, as I said, like. With this new funding round and all that, we need to educate people more about what do we mean by native retail? What do we mean by yeah? And my uh, concept, and- right? My concept is here is if you have to explain it, it's not the best uh, terminology. And uh, I, I'm just all I'm doing is I'm curious. That's all. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So um, now, so so it sounds like to me like we used boutique hotels as as a good example. But your your uh, model is very well built to to be on um, uh, on websites and other forms of media, um, and I agree with you. I mean, like when I first started financing solutions, well, my, my business partner and I first started eleven years ago. Um, we we Google was the best thing since sliced bread for getting us clients. Yep, we were like, oh my god. We've hit the mother load. This is like, we turn it on when we want new clients and we turn it off. And we had like an 80% hit ratio. It was like amazing. And then six months later, all our competitors found out about it. And then over the next three years, our cost of acquisition of acquiring a client just kept going down and down, or I'm sorry, up and up Up and up and up, up, right? To a point where we can't do it anymore. It's 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 too expensive, and the 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 returns that we get are not good. And everybody is saying that across the board. And, and I guess in in fairness to Google, they're like, people are paying it, you know. So even though if I get out, you know, uh, there's other people who are willing to pay the money. So, so I mean, it's funny you say it. Like you know, the way I think about Google search, it's more like going to a shopping mall, right? So when you're buying an ad on Google search, you're just buying a shop in a shopping mall. And your neighbor can also sell the same thing that you are selling. So in that case, the challenge becomes is, you know, like an old age theory, if you're going to sell things for 10 bucks, if your neighbor is selling for eight bucks, and probably as a customer going to go to your neighbor and the next one starts selling for seven bucks. In all the things, people are losing money, are probably you and your competition, but the mall owner always making money because he's collecting that rent, right? And probably he's going to start collecting more rent if he can drive more traffic to the mall, right? By opening up uh, maybe a nice uh, cinema there and we all have this anchor tenant which drive people in and then because of that, you can uh, expect a lot more footfall and you can collect much more rent from other tenants. So the same concept applies to Google as well now is whenever any company and, you know, as I mentioned, I do run a boutique retail analytics and data science firm as well and we do advise a lot of retail companies, mainly like, you know, omni-channel companies based out of states and Canada uh, the challenge that they face is every time they keep on spending more and more money on Google ads, which is fine. You can get more and more sales, but it is very tough if you're already targeting Stefan, who's already a customer with another Google ad. So were you not better off by sending him an email with an offer 
which might be more lucrative to Stefan instead of giving an off, you know, ad to him on Google. And that way you can build that loyalty and you can bring back Stefan in a much more cost-effective manner, which is a win-win for both you and your customer as well. So how do you solve for that? That's the key. But more often than not, companies just want to put, it's like, you know, I'm going to put the paddle on the gas. I'm going to get more customers in and eventually they will convert. I'll worry about later about their, uh, you know, uh, whether or not I acquired a customer who I could have acquired otherwise from other channel or not. I'm just yeah. focused on my sales. Yeah, that's why, you know, the, the idea behind uh, even their case, win, 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 right? Like if Google were to come to me and say is, listen, for every client I get you who actually becomes a client, you'll pay, I, I want you to pay me X amount of money, not, uh, which is, I know is a really hard model, uh, you know, not what they have right now is uh, we'll get people to come to your site, right? You know, that's, that's just not doing, in my industry, it's not working for us, right? So, you know, like I tell this to SEO companies that, uh, yep. that are like trying to win our business. Um, and, and I say to them, um, I will, how about I pay you? for for conversions so if someone yep. so if someone fills out an application an online application with us for a line of credit i'll pay you x uh if somebody and i'll get to my point but if somebody becomes a client i'll pay you 2x yep. you know I, and if somebody draws on their line of credit, i'll pay you 3x right now the reason why that's so attractive is because it's it's win 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 yep right and google you know, although they try to do that with uh, their convert, uh, not conversion, conversion. yeah, you know, yeah. They, they, you know, they look at it that way. Um, hey, listen, they're making a, sh a crap load of money anyway, so they don't, you know. I mean, It's a great company, right? Like we can all day uh, crib about like really why is. I'm not doing it, but they're a the great company. The problem is it's a kind of a black box. So if I'm running a retail company today, I'm just pouring money in to bring the people in because I need to have people in. And then eventually what happens the customer might feel they're winning, but they're also losing because since I have to spend a lot more money That's to get right. them in, I'm going to increase the cost, yep. right? And so everyone is losing. The only one who's making money is Google. Yeah. And that's what attracted me towards the idea when Mark was talking about it. Like, here you... And again, like, not every category can be solved from native retail, right? Like, if you want to buy certain other things, for example, if you're selling pet food or pet category, or if you're selling, like, say... Uh, a consumer goods, if you're selling baby clothing or anything else, you still have to rely on your own first party data and your, you know, your uh, the traditional mode of acquiring the customers and whatnot. But somehow you have to rely on building your own view of your customers. And unless until you know about a customer, you start capturing information about, hey, I, get, I sell the, uh, a bottle of water and that might bring me a customer where I would lose money in a bottle of water, but I would make money on other things that he or she would be end up buying. Versus if I get someone on a TV, I might make a lot of money on the TV, but that customer is never coming back and buying anything from me. And based I, on what yeah. I need. I get it. I, I, I still, you know, when I look at your business, I still, there's just, just to me, I, I, I honestly, it's just, I, there's a lot of legwork to be able to look for those opportunities and then convince that, not the one-off boutique hotel, I get it, but you know the person who owns thirty boutique hotels and and go keep going down the line at different people and convincing them that this is a good model. It just doesn't. I, I'm missing the idea of scale. Um, so, in our model right now, we're live about like in fifty different hotels in in United States. Uh, we started last year in February lot more partners, whoever worked with us and a lot of partners we work with, they have like 10 or more properties where they all are expanding. So we are expanding with them and we're making more and more place shoppable. And in fact, they start buying more of the inventory from us as well. Like if you think about procurement in a hospitality industry is a big challenge in itself. So yeah. what we're allowing them to do is like buy your things from us, you'll get a better price, but hey, also you'll start making money off those products immediately as and when someone starts shopping it. Or started getting exposed. Oh, to oh I completely get yeah. why it's yeah. a benefit to them. Yeah. I completely yeah. get it. What I what I'm saying is, uh, for you to have to keep going um, to find more clients like that requires yep. some, you know, people. You know, we we do have 
I believe like Workmark and Sage, who's our head of PD, they're pretty capable of like so far being able to reach out. But that's why we, we're trying to focus on a lot of these like high end Airbnbs and whatnot. So become part of those group. Uh, as I said, a lot of like people like you and your listeners, a lot of them are listening about and starting their own hospitality business or starting a new Airbnb or maybe starting like a, a new brand, right? So we're reaching out to them and asking them to work with us so that they can, if you're a brand, you can expose the products to you know a lot more audience without having to spend a lot of more money. If you are a hospitality hospitality uh, you know solution provider with like your Airbnb or a high like boutique hotel or something, you can now buy things at a much better price that you would buy from somewhere else. By the way, this would also allow you to make sure that you don't have to hire five people to manage a procurement. There's one portal you log in, you see all the 130 plus brands that we have partnership with and you can buy all their products via us. So it saves you time, saves you effort in terms of your accounting and bookkeeping need and whatnot. Yeah, I, so I have an idea. And um, yes. so that's just probably, you probably are doing it. Or, I mean, you thought of it, I'm, I doubt very much that there's anything I'm going to say that you haven't done, you're not doing or trying or thought of. So let's say you have, um, I, I can't think of the exact, the exact, exact type of products that we but let's say somebody is getting 10,000 visitors a month to their website. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe, I don't know, maybe they write a blog. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they're selling uh, uh, vacation packages. But, you know, on that website, you, if that person wants to make some extra money, they might have Google ads running on there, yeah. right? The problem with Google ads is that it's not – you can't pick. I don't. I don't know. I actually I shouldn't say this because I haven't really like done this with a website because our businesses are B two B. But um, but you can't say, oh, these type of products that I want to show on my website match well with why the consumer would come. Like so, for example, if you are a um, if you are a vacation, if you sell vacations, mm. then maybe having luggage on your website would be a nice fit, right? So I could see where your company would be able to allow people with those type of websites to select from a list of products that they know would go well with the people who are visiting their website. Is that something that you guys had thought of already? No, and that's not something we even want to go towards. Like the idea is like, we want to allow you to experience the product as a guest uh, before you buy it. Otherwise, uh, otherwise you've just become another digital channel, right? There's uh, nothing wrong about it. There's a lot of value in it, but then you see a lot of high return rate and whatnot. Like how many times you order a bed and you're like, I hate it. Now I want yeah. to return it. Yeah, yeah. And if you return it, then there's an extra cost for the company to take a return. Sometimes it's an extra cost for you also as a consumer. It's a lot of headache. So how do you remove it if you can just go and try out the product? And frankly, no matter how many times you go and you know sleep in the sleep county or any other mattress provider you're going for, uh, you can never get a feel unless until you go and sleep on that mattress for two to three days, right? And what better place than like a next stay or vacation you're taking anywhere? Uh, so that's the kind of philosophy that we have. To I get the it. Business. And so it's it's an interesting um, problem. And that is, yeah. so I get the culture of your company because you just stated it. You want yep. people to be able to experience something firsthand yep. um, before they buy it. So, but... And then maybe there's other companies that do this, but you know, the way I originally viewed your company was the, the, the being able to uh, work with a captive audience. And that's really not what you're looking at, but, but my idea of having a better Google ads uh, is not a bad idea. It is not, but the reality is like Google is already when, so example, like when you're working with Google on your website and you say, hey, Google start showing ads to my thing. There are two ways you can make money on a website. One is an affiliate model when you work with different companies and you start showing their ad and you already know about your audience because you know what you're writing about. If you're writing about finance and business, in your case, you're not going to expect someone to come and read about furniture on your website, right? Uh, you're not going to expect someone to read about baby clothes on a website. You expect people to know more about their finances and whatnot. So you might be putting an ad for some financial product like a cookbooks or Intuit or like, you know, a zero and whatnot versus, and Google already does it. 
or you work with Google, then Google already know what kind of audience you get it, and they will do, show the do ad they, that. So, so, good, so you are you able with Google AdWords? Uh, it's AdSense, right? Google yeah. AdSense, not AdWords. Google AdSense. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you able to select the products or industry that you want shown on your website? You can select the industry, but you cannot select the product. You can give an idea about what kind of industry you talk about, but Google, yeah. the search engine over the period of time, they learn and they know more about based on the conversion and everything else about what kind of product people like more on your website, right? Because yeah. you need yeah. to have a certain level of traffic before Google would start showing you the ad. Uh, and with that, they're already capturing the information. The problem in that sense, so, and it's a good channel, don't get me wrong, like having an SEO model and whatnot, but again, for brands, again, spending money, a lot of different things. When I'm a brand and I'm spending money with Google, it's tough for me to know, okay, first of all, where am I getting the customer from in the new world, in privacy world? Plus, it's becoming more and more expensive. And then more often than not, I get into this return problem. You know, we had a very big holiday season just now. And now the news coming in, like FedEx and all now having a big holiday season again because of the number of returns. And number of returns are going higher just because people are not able to use the product thanks yep. to the pandemic and everything else as well. Versus in, in our model, we have seen less than 1% return so far for the last one year of operation that we are being working with. Like less than 1% of return is amazing. We, in fact, in B2C side, in the consumer side, we never saw any return. People love the product. They always bought it. No one actually came back to us uh, and asked us like, can I return the product or not? Yeah, I, um, I had come up with this idea 10 years ago or longer. I said, you know, I just want to walk into a retail store and they have one size of everything that they sell, uh, yep. you know, and uh, small, medium, large, extra large, extra, extra large, or whatever, right? Yep. Just one. I try it on. I like it. They ship it to my house, right? Exactly. So this is 10, 15, not long ago, right? So I, I went to this company called uh, Bonobos, B-O-N-O-B-O-S, right? It's like men's, um, it's men's clothing, but it's a little more. Um, they got the acquired by uh, Walmart and Jet.com. Oh, I, was there. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, you know, um, I, it was the experience that I was expecting. They have a really professional salesperson there. I go in there, I try all my stuff on. Um, they... So what they do is they say, they, they measure you, you know, they, they measure it. They take all your measurements. Yep. Um, it, the pro, it kind of, the execution wasn't so good. So like they, they, the, the salesperson was good, but she didn't, um, she didn't put my stuff. She, she put it in the computer, but she gave me her card, which I have here. Yep. But she didn't tell me how to get to it, like to get to my sizes. And then um, I went to I went to order some things, um, and she would they were you know they were all out of everything I wanted. Right, that's fine. That's that's not a big deal. But um, but the problem was is uh, not not the problem. But but uh, you you would would I bet you any money because I tried this stuff on? Yep. I'm not going to return them. Exactly. If it gets shipped to me, I'm not going to, I tried it on. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And so it, it was a good experience. I was like, oh, wow. Now, the, let me tell you one of the problems was that 80% to 90% of their fashion, it wasn't my style. Exactly. So I, I'm waiting to order new jeans from them, which I really liked. And they're all sold out. So I have to kind of wait. But, um, but this is what, so I get your culture, you know, where, you know, where it's funny how, you know, you think when you look at a business, you say, oh, well, they sell books, right? And they really don't. What yep. they, what they, like what, what that place might sell is opening up the world to, through reading to people. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yep. and it's not what you think it is. It's like that's not what they do. They don't sell books. They yep. they look for, and it creates this whole culture around them. So, so for an example is, since you are you you're in this native retail spot, and if you kind of come up with another idea that's kind of good because you've learned about it, you kind of discount it because you're like, it doesn't fit our original culture, right? 
you know, the way I think about it, like whenever you are working for a company or building a company, you need to have one North Star metrics and one goal, right? So you don't have to have a blinders on, but you need to have at least focus on. And yes. you pivot you pivot if you think that thing you set to work on are not working, right? But when you see it's working and if you don't believe in the idea in the first place, then you are just like trying to create something and someone gave you money. Now you're like, okay, I'll do something. If this doesn't work out, I'll do something else. Mm-hmm. Versus, and that you might do when you're at pre seed stage, right? But once you get to seed stage, you have already proven some sort of a business model. Now you need to put like more gas and expand it more and more. In, in that time, you might, you know, uh, put pressure on one part of the business more than you put on the other part of the business based on what will give you more growth and more liver. But if you start trying out 100 different things at the same time, you will not be able to excel in anything. And that's true for a company, for any employee that you hire for a company. If you give him or her like 10 tasks, instead of giving them like two things to focus on, uh, it will always turn out to be a disaster. Like look at Amazon, right? That's the one company I admire the most, at least in our current time, the kind of different things they're able to do. But when you start reading it, uh, now it seems like, oh, they're doing everything together. But if you start doing it, they did everything sequentially. And eventually they get to a scale where they could do multiple things in a parallel fashion. Yeah. But in the beginning, if they would have done all things in parallel fashion, I bet you they would have failed. Yeah, it's uh, complicated. It's, uh, it's incredibly complicated. Yeah. That's why having the money, you know, from a VC, uh, you know, if they have deep pockets, it's really valuable because you can experiment and, and it's really good. So, um, I, you know, $5 million is a lot of money for uh, a VC to put into uh, a scenario like this. How many employees do you have? We have, uh, I think we have like five employees on the business side and we have eight engineers. Okay. So, yeah. uh, cause that's, I would think that's where you're you know, the huge amount of your expenses. Exactly. It's payroll. Correct. Yes, majority yeah, yeah. of expenses are payroll. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that $5 million takes you a while, right? You know, you, you so got We are we're trying to hire uh, more across the different teams. We're looking to hire head of operations. We're looking to hire on a, on a product and tech team. And obviously, we'll be uh, spending a lot more money now towards the marketing and educating people so that when they think about native retail or when they, when they see the product anywhere, they think of Minoan. Uh, yeah. so it's like a Minoan, like the term I like to coin is like a Minoan moment. Uh, you you go in a in a place and you start see something and you wish Minoan is there to work with you. Like yeah. become that term, similar to what Amazon is to e-commerce or Google yeah. is to search. You don't say yeah. search it, you say Google it. Yeah. So similar to that, you go in any place, yeah. whether it's a hotel or somewhere else, you say let's Minoan it. So you, you can explore it, you know what the product is, and you can get it delivered to you. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, I, I completely get it. Um, good. Well, it was a fun discussion. I liked uh, learning. I haven't done uh, this angel funding, this VC conversation in a long time. It's not, you know, I, I ended up not funding any companies in three years. We we looked, my business partner and I looked at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. In fact, I own, I had started my own um, uh, a presentation group where we had companies coming in. And I'd have 50 people with money. Um, listening to the presentations. And then, uh, you know, we came across this idea of providing lines of credit to companies, which is, uh, you know, our, we, we use our own money. So, uh, you know, it wasn't really, we didn't go in, we didn't like what we were seeing, quite honestly, yep. with the, the businesses that we were seeing was, you know, the, the golden rule in, in angel funding is you have to invest in 10 companies and you have to hope that one of them pays off. And exactly. a lot of a lot of a lot of people I know lost their shirts doing it. Yep. And uh, and honestly, we would have invested if we found something that we had really liked. We went we went pretty far with one company, and then there was something we found out that we didn't like about it, and we stopped. And uh, that was that was the end. So um, so uh, you know, it was very good conversation, very interesting. I'd like to thank so very much, uh, Subhit Kandawal from. Minoan experience for coming on to today's podcast. And, you know, you spell Minoan, M-I-N-O-A-N. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's F-S as in finance, solutions, credit line. 
www.thinkingmusicbusiness.com. Uh, Sabhit, if people want to get in touch with you or your company, how would they go about doing that? Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Shobit Khandelwal. And uh, if you want to know more about the company, you can go to minoanexperience.com. It's M-I-N-O-A-N experience.com. Uh, and you can submit a form and we'll reach out to you within uh, one day. Uh, I'm also available on, on Twitter. So if you want to you know, send me a message, you can send me at Shobit underscore C-U. So S-H-O-B-H-I-T underscore C-U. Well, Great. Stephen, thank you so much for having me here. I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, it was uh, fun. I wish you the best of luck. It's a, an exciting time. I know you've been successful in other stuff. So it's that's nice to have a track record already. And I, you know, uh, it, I'll be interested to hear what happens. And if you get a chance and you remember me down the road, maybe drop me a line. Let me know how you how you made out. I'd be very curious. 100%. I'll, I look forward to staying in touch. Yep, good. Uh, if our listeners are interested in getting any new business ideas, I tweet daily about lessons for business owners. Uh, not always daily, but pretty much. At S. Halasnik, that's my name, it's uh, at S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. And for all those that are out there, Happy New Year. Um, I, um, I've always loved New Year because if you had a good year, you celebrate and you look forward to the next year. If you had a bad year, you say, I'm glad that year's over with and you start fresh. And so that's why I always enjoyed New Year's and New Year's Eve. It's a fresh start and, and who doesn't always want a fresh start? So everybody um, have a fantastic day and I hope everybody stays healthy and happy.